Welcome to conference coverage presented by ReachMD Radio on XM160 and powered by Health Day. Featuring the latest clinical information and research findings from the American Psychiatric Association's annual meeting, which took place May 22nd through the 26th, 2010 in New Orleans. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Kina. And I'm Sue Berg. This year's American Psychiatric Association meeting attracted a total of over 15,000 attendees from around the world, including about 10,000 medical professionals. The meeting's main theme was Pride and Promise Toward a New Psychiatry. Presentations focused on issues such as addiction, depression, and the development of the upcoming fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. This year's American Psychiatric Association meeting attracted a total of over 15,000 attendees from around the world, including about 10,000 medical professionals. The meeting's main theme was pride and promise toward a new psychiatry. Presentations focused on such issues as addiction, depression, and development of the upcoming fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. According to Dr. Donald M. Hilty, the co-chair of the Scientific Program Committee, the association was particularly focused this year on presenting the best available research in a way that's directly clinically applicable. Toward that end, some of the most highly respected researchers in the field were invited to this meeting. Dr. Hilty cited research presented at the meeting, such as a key finding from the National Institute on Drug Abuse on how brain circuits can lead drug users back to taking drugs even when they seem to be doing well. There were also key findings on how the brain responds to drug use and creates other problems like depression. Dr. Hilty said many of these key research findings are being included in the new DSM-5, which is scheduled to come out in a couple of years. The new edition is expected to more precisely define many mental disorders and solve the problem of symptoms that don't fit well into established categories. The association expects these changes to improve access to clinical care. Dr. David Kupfer, who chairs the DSM task force, said in a statement that meetings such as this year's conference are increasingly valuable as a way to share progress on the DSM and solicit feedback. Significant research included a study led by researchers at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston who assessed the effectiveness of email for screening depression in college students. The researchers conducted an email survey of over 600 students. Of these, about 21% reported a history of depression, 13% endorsed suicidal symptoms, and about 14% screened positive for major depressive disorder. Nearly half of the students who screened positive for major depressive disorder completed the follow-up survey, but only eight of them used the resources provided in the initial survey, including depression information and peer counseling groups. The authors concluded that email appears to be an effective and inexpensive method for screening college students for depression. However, they noted that simply offering online information on depression and available resources had limited effects on students' help-seeking behavior. In another study, investigators at Michigan State University in Lansing and colleagues explored the relationship between population density, suicide rates, and availability of mental health professionals. The researchers assessed data from the National Center for Health Statistics and Bureau of Census data. They found that the suicide rate was highest in Alaska, which has the nation's lowest population density. Alaska had about 23 deaths per every 100,000 people. Conversely, they found that the suicide rate was lowest in Washington, D.C., which has the nation's highest population density. Washington, D.C. had about five suicides per 100,000 people. 
Nationwide, the researchers found a strong correlation between suicide and low population density, as well as a low concentration of psychiatrists, psychologists, and social workers. The authors concluded that complex biopsychosocial, geographic, and cultural factors may contribute to the higher rate of suicide in rural populations. Also, access to mental health care may be a relevant factor in suicide rates. The researchers suggested that use of telehealth technologies to deliver psychiatric services to rural communities may bridge the current gap in available mental health care. Novel preliminary research was presented at the meeting, suggesting that patients with mood disorders and allergen-specific immunoglobulin E seem to experience a worsening of depressive symptoms during natural peaks of tree and ragweed pollen. It has been observed that spring and fall pollen peaks coincide with a worldwide spike in suicides every spring and to a lesser extent in the fall. The study conducted by investigators at the University of Maryland School of Medicine included 100 volunteers who had been previously diagnosed with depression. Blood samples from the participants revealed about half tested IgE positive for tree and or ragweed pollen. This is believed to be the first study to link actual IgE measurements with depression scores. The researchers conclude that these preliminary findings argue for a state-level connection between allergy and worsening of mood disorders. They also suggest a biological link between depression and allergies, beyond the mere psychological impact of allergic symptoms. These findings appear to be conducive to further research on new preventive and therapeutic targets in the management of mood disorders. Researchers at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego and colleagues looked at virtual reality PTSD treatment in a small study of 20 active-duty soldiers with post-traumatic stress disorder related to their service in Iraq or Afghanistan. The soldiers were randomly assigned to receive either 10 weeks of treatment with virtual reality exposure to the theater of war with arousal control or to usual treatment including talk therapy and medication. The virtual reality treatment involved exposing the patient to a simulated Iraqi city in the presence of a psychiatrist, as well as researchers who were monitoring the patient's stress responses, including heart rate, respiration, and skin conductance. Preliminary results showed that when patients returned for post-assessment, seven of the ten patients who received virtual reality exposure achieved a 30% or greater response on the clinician-administered PTSD scale, compared to only one of the nine control patients who returned for post-assessment. Thank you for listening to conference coverage from the American Psychiatric Association's annual meeting, which took place May 22nd through the 26th, 2010, in New Orleans. Conference coverage is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD.com, and powered by Health Day.